0: We praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Thank and praise God for allowing us to come out and to worship him. This is a privilege to worship God. It's a privilege. There are many that are dead and sleeping in their graves this morning. There are some that laid down last night that did not wake up this morning. But God has given us this opportunity to worship him last week we preached from the thought, do you love God? And we began to look at our lives, and so hopefully you took an introspective look into your life and see if you really meet the qualifications of loving God. Are we demonstrating love? Are we showing love? And that's important because love is the foundation to everything that we do in this Christian faith. We're going to need the love of God to do ministry work here. And so in my looking and evaluating my life to see if I really have that love for God, and what does that love really look like? Well, one of the main components of love is a willingness to sacrifice. I knew it was going to get quiet there. Because the reality of the matter is that most of us don't want to really sacrifice anything. But if we're going to love like God said love, then it's going to require a sacrifice on our behalf. And listen here, God does not just tell us that just to tell us that. He tells us that because that's what his love looks like. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And what that text means is that God did not wait for you to get right. He did not wait for you to get everything in order. He sent his son Jesus to die as an act of love, as his proof of love to us. And so what does that love really look like? The text said that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, and thy strength. He said the second one is just like it, that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so the indication here is that, 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 that he's equating our love for him with how we love one another. So if you really want to know how much you love God, look how much you love each other. Take take, take a look at that. Take a look at what you're willing to sacrifice for others. That's your real indication of how much you love God. We're to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And I've heard it saying that you can't love others until you love yourself. Well, that's true, but you love yourself. Else you wouldn't be sitting here today. You feed yourself every day. You put clothes on every day. You do a lot of the social functions that you want to do every day. That's an indication that you love yourself. Are you willing to do the same thing for others? Is the key. Today, today we're going to look at another passage of Scripture in the Gospel of John, the 13th chapter. This is, this, this is, this is Jesus' final meal with his disciples. It is what's known as historically as the Last Supper. It is the Passover meal. It is a meal that was done by Jews to in, uh, indicate and to show what God had done for them in bringing them out of Egypt. And he brings his disciples together for this one last meal. Understanding the background is that Jesus is about 24 hours from being crucified on a cross. He's at the end of his ministry. And so he takes this occasion to bring the people who were important to him into his circle and have this last final meal. And I've entitled this, A Night with the Master. All of us need to spend that quiet night with the Master, that we might be able to receive what he has for us. And so in chapter number 13 of John's Gospel, it reads, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from the supper and laid aside his garment. He took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel Wherewith he was girded. And then Peter cometh, then cometh he to Peter. And Peter said unto him, Lord, do not wash my feet. Amen. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do not, what I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hitherafter. And Peter, Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I wash not thee, thou hast no part with me. And Peter answered and said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet. But it's clean every whit, and ye, shall, ye are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore, he said, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garment and was set down again, he said unto this, Know ye what I have done to you. This is the key. Ye call me Master. And Lord, and you say, well, for so am I, I am. If I, then your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should show, that you should do as I have done to you. I'd like to title this message From Loving to Serving. Moving from loving to serving. As I mentioned last week, we toss this word love around like it's a piece of candy. We say we love everybody, everything. And we really don't really take into context what the word really means because we have this watered-down love nowadays, this fluffy love, this romantic love that feels good to us. It's an addictive love because the more people litter us with love, it seems the more that we want. We're not really satisfied with it. Because it's not the genuine love that God comes to offer. Because when God offers love, it's not going to always be easy. As a matter of fact, it's going to perhaps be difficult for us to love with the love in which God tells us to love with. It's more than folk saying hello to you when you walk through the church doors. It's more than just a friendly smile. That's not a real indication of whether that individual loves you or not. When we really get down to it, love can be best seen by our actions rather than the words that we spew out of our mouths. Oh yeah, 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 we, 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 we say we love all kinds of things. We love people. We dare not say that we hate people. But the reality of it is that what's down on the inside of you? Is it real genuine love? Well, if it's real genuine love, then you wouldn't treat folk the way you treat them. Right. Jesus, in this text, he, said, he, he tells us right now, he said that, 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 that he had loved his disciples. And not only did he say that he loved them, he said that he loved them to the end. And understand that this is a this is link to eternity. The, the Calvary's cross was not the end for Jesus. It was finished, but it was not the end for him. What he's saying that he would love them, as Jeremiah said, with an everlasting love. In other words, Jesus is saying that, that, that I'm willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice for you. That's the depth of my love for you. It does not stop with lip service. But it is the love that carried him all the way to Calvary's cross. And he said that I love you to the end. Now understand this, understand this. Because last week we talked about loving your neighbor as yourself. And in in another gospel, the, the, the young uh, ruler asked, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus began to give him the story or the parable of the Good Samaritan. At the conclusion of the parable, they came to the conclusion that everybody is my neighbor. Everyone that I encounter is my neighbor. And we are to be willing to sacrifice Even for folk that don't like us. Even for people who have a problem with us. And it is exemplified in this text, in our text in John, because Jesus is making this statement about loving his disciples to the end, and it also included Judas. Judas was right there when he said it. Judas had not been sent away yet. So, how about your Judases? How, how, how do you love your Judases? Because all of us have a Judas in our lives. And if you don't have a Judas, you most certainly have a Peter in your life. We talk about Judas and his betrayal. But Peter denied him three times. But yet Jesus still had love for him as well. He also had Thomas, who doubted him. They were all there. Jesus makes this, this statement to all of them. And not only does he make the statement, but he backs it up with action. And we have here Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Now, I understand that it's customary for a host to have a servant wash the feet of the guests that have come into their house. And usually they would find the lowest servant. Because this was a dirty task to wash somebody's funky feet that have been kicking through the sand all day long. What Jesus is really trying to get us to see is that that here he is, the creator of the universe. The one that created everything, that, that breathed life into our bodies, has now humbled himself to the place of a servant. And if Jesus can humble himself, if he can come to a place of, of, of taking off his garment as he eats and go from disciple to disciple, yeah. washing their feet. Yeah. Yeah. What this tells us that, that talking about love is cheap. Yeah. You see, because when you decide that you're going to love people, that you're going to love individuals, i guarantee you it's going to cost you something. My question to you, are you willing to make that sacrifice? But then let's take a look at this thing. Let's bring this home a little bit. If you knew that you had 24 hours to live, who are the people you would surround yourself with? What would the discussion be like? What would you say to them? Would you give them any instructions after you've left here? There's some of us that would change some of the things that we're doing if we knew we only had 24 hours to live. Perhaps we'd be more caring. We'd spend time with loved ones. But look at Jesus, because Jesus changed absolutely nothing about how he lived his life. And what that tells me to tell you is that you need to live your life every day. Like it's your last 24 hours of living. You need to love like you don't have another tomorrow to come. You need to take the opportunity to sit down with folk. Let them know what they mean to you. On a daily basis, not just because I got 24 hours to live. Jesus always loved. He always demonstrated his love. He was always sacrificing. And we as being Christians, as being Christ-like, are to mimic and to show forth our lives as being those that are lining up with what Christ did. The scripture said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that he humbled himself, took on the form of a servant, became obedient unto God. Even the obedience to death, he's willing to give himself. So when we're going to move past just talking about love, telling people about love rather demonstrating it. That's what Jesus did. He prepared a table, food. He washed their feet. And understand that even in doing so, you're going to still have some folk that's going to give you a hard time about loving them. Did you know that, that, that some people just hard to love? You, you, you ever run into some people that are just hard to love? Every time you try and love them, they, just, they, they push you away. Usually that's because they've been wounded. They've been hurt. And it's going to take us as the church going beyond their hurts and loving them anyway. There are folk that have been cast away. They are folk that have been cast away from their own families. And we as the body in Christ should be embracing these people. We should be bringing them in and demonstrating the love of Christ. There's some people that you work with. That you know that you have not been loving them like you should. Because if you did, then you'll be giving them the gospel. You'll be letting them know that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the greatest expression of love you can give anybody is to give them the same gift that was given to you. Understand that somebody loved you enough to go down on bending knees and to pray for you, yeah. to share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he died on the old rugged cross over 2,000 years ago. He was buried in a bald man's tomb and he rose on the third day. That is the gospel message. And that's what we've been commissioned to do. How, how, How can you call yourself a witness and you're not willing to serve? How how many of you really accepted Christ at the first presentation of it? I know I didn't. And if people would have given up on me after that first try, I'd probably still be lost in my sin. But God gave somebody the tenacity to continue to come and to pursue that I might be able to come into a right relationship with God, the Father, through his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's going to take you washing folk feet. Now, that's metaphorically. That's not literally. I'm not telling you to go around washing people's feet. Love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the demonstration of love. Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all don't need your feet washed. But there's other things that an individual needs. That we need to be identifying and going after. We need to get out there. Make your presence known by serving others. Because if you're going to serve God, you must serve others. As a matter of fact, that's how you serve God is by serving others. Being a blessing to others. So Jesus washes his disciples' feet as an act from going from just stating that he loved them to demonstrating his his love for them. The washing of their feet. And so he comes to Peter and he desires to wash Peter's feet. And Peter gives a clear indication that he is still a man that needs to be healed by Jesus. Because Peter is lifted up in pride. He said, how dare you? No, no, I'll never let you wash my feet. Listen, what what, what Peter is really saying is is that Jesus, I don't need you to wash my feet. But understand that if Jesus comes to you with a need, then it's a need. Peter didn't get this. But Jesus said that if I don't wash your feet, Peter, then you don't have any part with me. And if you won't let Jesus wash your feet, if you won't let Jesus meet you at your need, if you keep relying on your own self-ambitions to get to where you think you need to be at. Then you have no parts with Jesus because Jesus wants to be everything that you need. God is the God of I am. I am everything that you need me to be. God is saying, I don't need you looking to anyone or anything else for what you need you come to me. Because I'm able to give you everything that you stand in need of. And the fact of the matter that all of us are here, God is meeting our needs. And you ought to give a hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, for a God that, that will meet your needs for you. Our greatest need in this life is eternal life. This, this this is what Jesus is really telling them. He said listen here. He said when I'm this is symbolic of me cleaning you up, Peter. This is this is what you need. Peter because you're sin laden. You're prideful. You talk too much. You're always sticking your foot in your mouth. Peter, you need this washing. And just like Peter needs this washing, all of us need the same washing that God comes to give. There's not an individual in this world that does not need the washing that God comes to give to us. And this washing comes by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not water baptism washing. I've been washed in the blood. I've got my sins washed away. In 24 hours, Jesus would bring to fruition what he was doing right now in the washing of the feet. This could not happen until Calvary. Till Jesus shed his blood. And Jesus tells Peter, You can't have any part with me. You're prideful, you're puffed up. And Peter had a change of heart. And once again, Peter overdoes it, right? He said, Not only wash my hands, but what wash- my feet, but my head and my hands. Wash me all over. And understand, Peter, it only takes one washing to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no other washing out there. There's no other thing that can save you other than the blood of Jesus Christ, Peter. Peter, don't you know that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I'm I'm the only way, Peter. But Jesus even recognized that everybody will not accept him. Everyone would not receive him. And out of the 12, Jesus already knew that Satan had filled Judas. And when he said that not all of you are clean, this is what we were referencing, was Judas, the son of perdition. The one who had came to do the devil's work. It had been prophesied that Jesus would be betrayed by a friend. So not all are clean. And so Jesus begins, after making this statement, to give them the object lesson of what this really means. He said, I want you to look at what's going on. I'm your master. I'm your teacher. You have depended on me since I called you. I've provided for you. I've taken care of you. Everything you know about ministry work, you learn from me. And if me being the master, the teacher, is willing to unrobe himself, take a cloth and wash your feet, then you need to do the same thing one to another. And if Jesus is willing to do that in your life, where does that leave you? I'm trying to get you to to think about this thing, to reevaluate if you're really loving God like you ought to be loving Him? Are you really demonstrating? Are you serving? Who, who, who are you serving? What, what, what are you really doing? Why? Because you come and you sing in the choir? You you you're on the deacon board? <laughs> deacon Redding gonna get me about that one. Because you usher? Maybe because you're a greeter. Or even maybe you deliver messages from the pulpit. Is that really all we have to render as service unto God? Well really, where's the sacrifice in that? How do you serve God outside of these four walls? What is that? Once you walk through the door, you take your servant hat off? No, we come into this place to worship God. We leave out of here to work for God. That's where the real sacrifice is made. Listen here, it's easy for me to act like a Christian around a whole bunch of Christian folk. It really is. I just look at you and mimic what you do. But, but what happens when you're around some folk that ain't as clean as you are? What, what, what do you look like then? I, how, how are you serving then? Listen here, I'm pretty sure they don't need an usher on your job. They don't need an usher. They don't need a choir on your job. But what they do need is somebody who's going to point them to an everlasting father. And a way to get there. So, 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 when are you going to move from loving folk to serving folk? to being a blessing, to being a vessel of honor that God can take pride pride in, that God can be pleased with. That's what it really takes. We can say we love one another. Jesus said he loved, he his love for all of his disciples. But yet one of them was a devil Jesus still loved him. And Jesus sent him away. And said go and do what you must do. And do it quickly. For he knew that Judas would betray him. And that's exactly what Judas did. Even after Jesus showing him all of this love. Pouring into him. For three years he poured into him. But yet he was never converted. He was never really numbered amongst the 12. For he had a purpose. And for 30 pieces of silver. He portrayed our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he portrayed him with a kiss. You see Jesus. Praying in the garden of Gethsemane. He prayed so hard to sweat dropped from his brow like blood. He was agonizing. But he kept on pushing because he knew he had an agenda. He knew that there was some more work ahead of him. A few 24 hours later, they would take this same Jesus March him up the Via Dolorosa to a mount called Calvary or Golgotha, the Battle of the skull. There they would crucify him. They put nails in his hands. Nails in his feet. Put a crown of thorns on his head. He died. He hung his head in the locks of his shoulder and he died. A real physical death. They took him down, put him in a bald man's tomb. But he rose on the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. Jesus moved from loving them to demonstrating his love for them on Calvary's cross. But he didn't stay there because he rose victoriously. With all power in his hands. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yeah. And right to this day, he sits at the right hand side of the Father, making intercession for God. Jesus still working on your behalf. He's still serving you, even in heaven, because every time the devil accuses you, every time the devil comes before the Lord and tells him, look what she did, look what he did. Christ said, but I died for that sin. I shed my blood for that sin. That work that I did on Calvary was for that sin. He's still working. He's still serving. He's coming back. I can't wait for that day for him to come back. I get more and more uncomfortable in this world each day. And I look forward to seeing him on the other side. But until then, I'll keep on loving and I'll keep on serving. I'll keep on loving, and I'll keep on serving. I'll keep on loving, and I'll keep on serving. Because that's what we've been called to do. Love. Moving from love to serving. We got to make that move. It's a transition. Amen. The doors to the church are open. Please stand to your feet. If you're looking for a church home, if you want to be saved, you can come now. You can come now.